Hello, this is Ruth Haley Barton, and you are listening to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. I'm founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, senior pastor of Genesis in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and a good friend. Uh, Steve is also a Transforming Community alum, which means that we have been on the transformational journey together, laughing, sometimes crying, growing, and experiencing Christ's transforming presence in community with other leaders. Thanks, Ruth. This season, we're working through, talking through, and praying through one of our transforming resources, The Deeper Journey by M. Robert Mulholland Jr. Creating space to hear from God is the most strategic thing you can do in your leadership, whether you're leading in a church or in some other setting. So if you find yourself wondering if you're sacrificing the health of your heart and soul for the sake of ministry, consider joining the next Transforming Community, a practice-based spiritual formation experience for leaders offered in nine quarterly retreats. Learn more and apply by visiting transformingcenter.org TC. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, friends. We are back with episode four of The Deeper Journey, The Spirituality of Discovering Your True Self. And we are basing this episode on chapter four of the book by that name, Hidden with Christ in God, The False Self and the Christ Self. And we're going to start with a bit of good news. Um, we've talked for a couple episodes about the false self, but here's the good news. There is a true self and every yes. one of us has one. Right, Steve? You yes, and me, finally. we all have a true self. <laughs> so what is the true self? Let's start with that piece of good news. Mahan goes all the way back to Genesis when he talks about God making humanity in God's image. In Genesis 1, we read that God created humanity in God's own image, male and female, God created them. So we are getting our first glimmers of the true self, that God created us. We are persons created in the image of God. That is the basis for our true self. And then in the New Testament, Paul goes on to say that we have been blessed by God with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's also who we are today in our mm. true selves, blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so it's really important for us to realize that there is a true self. It's the self that God created. It's the self that God is redeeming. It is the self that is indwelt by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Um, and so our spiritual journey really is the journey from being caught up in the false self, which developed early on after we were born into the sinful world and tried to find all sorts of human programs for keeping ourselves safe on every level. Those, you know, had some time to grow and flourish. And now the journey invites us to come back and to discover our true self that is hidden with Christ in God and to continue this work of redemption because redemption is not just a one-time thing. It is as it has to do with our salvation. Our salvation is secure, but the process of redemption or ongoing sanctification, that is something that uh, God is always at work in our hearts and lives to bring about. And when we come face to face with our false self and we realize how stuck we are in some of our old self-protective patterns, then that's really a call to ongoing sanctification, to ongoing discovery of our true self in God. 
Uh, but the false self does present some obstacles, as we've talked about. Um, Mulholland says that, you know, the false self is who we are to the core of our being. It's not a superficial thing. It's It goes all the way to the core of our being, and it's always going to be throwing up obstacles to the journey into the true self. So, so Steve, I wonder, what is the hope? Um, what is the solution that Bob is bringing us to an invitation to the journey? Because he does get on the solution side in this fourth chapter, Hidden with Christ and God. Mulholland talks in this chapter, uh, he titles it God's Radical Solution. And I'm going to read just a paragraph, but then we're going to unpack it. And I quote, here's where we begin to understand the depth of God's cruciform love, grace, and mercy toward us. While we're still sinners, then he adds, while we are still false selves, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. Paul is saying here that God comes to us in our false self in order to offer God's self to us to be our true life, end quote. Mm -hmm. That is a lot. That's a lot right there. Now, this is really atonement in just a paragraph, but I think it's a different kind of atonement theory or theology than many of us were given. Many of us were given a kind of atonement theology in which God could not stand us as sinners. God could not even look at us as sinners. And so in God's mercy, God sent Jesus to die for us so that now when God looks at us, God only sees Jesus. And that was the solution that many of us were given as a theology of atonement. And I think there's probably some depth of reality to that. But I think the problem with that view, for me anyway, is that I don't really want to enter into a loving union with a God who would rather blast my face off because I'm, I'm trapped in a false self. For me, that, that limits my <laughs> desire to enter into loving union with God. So that's what I like about what Mulholland talks about here, in a sense, by God's cruciform love is simply this, that the cross is not something that Christ did. It's something that God is. That what we, when we see Christ on the cross, we are seeing God's love played out in its absolute fullness. This is God meeting our false selves and allowing that false self to die with Christ so that we can be raised up again. And that came out of God's love for us, not because God was so filled with wrath toward us. And that is a mouthful. So I want to ask you, Ruth, like, as, I, as I'm saying that, what does that make you think about um, how that leads us toward our life hidden with Christ and God, how that leads us toward an understanding of the true self? Well, one biblical phrase that I think is so important to reflect on is the phrase that God was in Christ redeeming mm -hmm. us to himself, that it wasn't Christ separate from God, you know, like God, you know, sending Jesus and Jesus is a separate being and Jesus is out there doing this thing. But the scriptures are clear with us that it was God who was in Christ reconciling all things to himself. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so it is a revelation of the very essence of who God is toward us. It's not Jesus as a separate being 
uh, right. have been cast out and, and all that, but God is in Christ reconciling all things to himself. So I find that um, to be very, very helpful in thinking about the atonement and what was actually going on there. Um, and that, the, you know, the, the cruciform love of God is God meeting us where we are. And I think that's what yes. Mulholland is also trying to say, is that even when we were turned against God, even when we um, came up with our own ways of trying to save ourselves and um, rescue ourselves and get our human needs met, even when we were all caught up in doing that on a human level, and we had rejected God in that. We had said, God, you're not enough for me. God, you're not going to bring it. I got to do this for myself. God was still there in Christ reaching out to us, proactively taking initiative, reaching out to us. And so I've heard Bob talk about cruciform love um, many, many, many times in the videotape presentations that we offer within the Transforming Community Experience. And um, each and every time I am stirred by this idea that even when we had turned away, God stayed faithful. That, um, and this is, this is Bob talking as a New Testament theologian. This isn't just Ruth and Steve who, you know, have gone to seminary and done a little studying saying this back and forth. This is Bob Mulholland, one of the, I think one of the best New Testament theologians we could be listening to right now. And, um, his idea that even when we were rejecting, actively rejecting God, <clears throat> that our relationship, the relationship with God stayed open from God's side of things and that God was always open and always reaching. Um, we are always, we are always seeking a God who's already coming to us. Yes. Yes. We're not trying to find ways to placate an angry God. That's just not, you know, from a new Testament perspective, that's just not, um, not, not what's going on here. I can't tell you how remarkably refreshing and transformative that reality is. And the fact that it's not some fringe theology, it's really comes from some of the depths of the deepest and best New Testament theology that, that God isn't the angry father who Jesus, the benevolent son has to hold back and say, Oh, dad, don't punish them. Don't punish them. I know you want to, I know that's in your character to do it. But because of what I've done, maybe maybe that'll prove to you that, you know, you don't have to do it. Um, if it's instead, it's it's like when we read in Philippians two, because Jesus was in His very nature, God, it was His pleasure, it was His joy to become one of us, and even to meet us in our humanity is not some horrible thing, but but something that that God did because because of God's love, because of God's nature, because of who God is. It's the same thing mm -hmm. when um, God shows up in Christ on the cross to meet us when, as you said, we are actively resisting in our false selves and in our religious false selves, right? Oh, man. So, you know, we've thrown the phrase cruciform love out there, but we haven't defined it. And I feel like we should if we're going to keep using it. Yep. Um, in Mulholland's teaching, you know, the word cruciform love is love in a cruciform shape, which means love that lays down its life for the other. And so when we talk about Christ being formed in us, which is, you know, the, the outcome of the spiritual journeys that Christ is formed in us, we're actually talking about cruciform love being formed in us, 
love that is a cruciform shape, love that is able to lay down one's life uh, for one's friend, for one's loved one. And, you know, for us, we're not going to be climbing up on wooden crosses. But again, it is that place where we realize that our very nature is self-referenced and um, alarmingly so. But there is a moment when we realize we could lay it down, that we could lay in this moment, stop that self-reference point of view and choose something and someone else. That that's what cruciform love is. And sometimes it's in very simple moments of choosing what is other referenced or God referenced than just my own self and what I need and what I'm trying to get out of a moment. And so, you know, God's cruciform love for us was willing to lay down. Mm -hmm. Um, God's very prerogative and right um, to not have to give us anything, you know, and God lays that down and comes to us in the most humble, vulnerable, self-giving way. Um, and that when we're being formed into the image of Christ, that's what's being formed in us too, that kind of a capacity. And that is the true self right there. Um, when we're able to do that, that is our true self in God. That is, um, being in union with God and, uh, allowing that union to play itself out in our lives with other people. When we are able to, through the power of Christ, meet someone's false self and not judge it, not try to squash it, not try to hide it, but, but meet it with love. That is a form of taking up our cross, you know, so that the, so that when people meet us, they're meeting the, the, the love of God in us, you know, like that's just hitting me in a way that, um, you know, it might be magnanimous to meet someone in their false self and sort of look the other way, you know, but that's not what cruciform love is. It's meeting the other in their false self, not judging it, not denying it, but allowing Christ to raise it to life so that they can become their true self. That's powerful. So Mulholland talks about, you know, this experience when we know that we're still living in our false self, or there's some place where we're stuck. Um, and he actually says that that place of stuckness where we have still got a part, part of ourselves closed off, that that's a door at which Jesus is knocking. Um, and we know that Jesus is very polite and does not force himself where he is not invited or asked, but, but he does knock. And so a question for us, sometimes when we feel ourselves stuck, you know, when we cannot be the love that yep. we know is possible when, when we know we're just not being that, that true self at all, that we're stuck into some false pattern that Jesus knocks on that door, the door of yeah. the false self, the places where we've shut God out, the places where we're not letting God's love flow through us unencumbered um, and where we find ourselves to be um, imprisoned in old patterns that just don't serve us very well. That the first thing that happens is just the awareness. Oh my goodness, that's a place where I haven't opened to God yet. Um, And then, you know, we might experience Jesus saying, you know what, if you would open the door, I could come in and we could do something Mm -hmm. different in that place, you know? Yeah. And that that is the, the transformative work of God in our lives if we're just able to open. And so sometimes I think that that 
gives us a greater sense of the fact that we don't have to do everything to fix ourselves, but if we could just find a way to open the door, you know, and Jesus says, I will come in and I will be with you and we'll figure out another way, you know? Well, exactly. If we can just be in that place where we're actually probably feeling some shame about our false self and instead of running from it or trying to fix it using our false self, if we can picture the door right there, this is the doorway. This is the only doorway. And Jesus is there knocking and wanting to enter into, and I quote on, this is page 80. um, God doesn't call us to clean up our act and come out to have a good relationship with God. God calls us to open the door so that God can come in, come into our false self. God's cruciform love seeks to enter into the depths of our darkness, our sin, our deadness, our brokenness, our bondage. And what will God do when God comes in? Quote, I will eat with them and they with me. And the word that John uses for eat here is the word that's used in the New Testament for the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, you know? So like, oh man, my tendency, Ruth, when I get to that place mm-hmm. is to run, numb, not open the door, not, you know, cause I feel shame. I just feel so much because now I'm really looking at it. You know, now I'm really looking at the darkness and I can't imagine that God is so good that God would come in and eat with me. Mm-hmm. And the eating there is, you know, communion. It's communion. It's communion. Yes. It's communion. Uh, that, um, how can we be the kind of people that stay there so that God can come in, Christ can come in and lead people to do the same? Um, how can we move past that shame that would keep us from experiencing that communion with God? Cause that's the loving union we're talking about. Right. I mean, that, right. that's it. Yeah. And how hard it would be if, if, if we envisioned God as being this person that was so angry with us that, that, he couldn't even look at us, you know, how could, how could we make the switch to allowing God into that place to have communion with us? If everything we've been taught is that God is an angry God who can't stand looking at us or being with us in that place. The two just don't go together. Surrender doesn't fit in a picture like that. You can't, you can't surrender to someone who's just so angry with you, you know? Right. You might be able to be obedient and I'm using the air right. quotes. Try harder. You know? Yeah. Try hard. Yep. Try harder. Be um, you, you, yep. Because you're just, you, you so want to do the right thing that you'll, that you'll just keep, keep trying, but that's dead. I mean, that is a doorway to death. So Ruth, now let's even take it further. So we're we're sitting, communing with God, and we've let Christ in to our darkest place, and we found that we haven't been punished; we've been accepted. Uh, wow! Take that, take that further. What does that look like now in terms of living in that place? Mm-hmm. Well, Mulholland has this wonderful illustration, which is really very simple, but it is, it's become an important symbol for me of what this can look like and feel like. So he, he invites us to imagine a pipe that's open at both ends. And at the one end of a pipe is a flange that's designed for loving union with God, you know, to open and allow God's loving uh, nature to flow in. And then the other pipe, the other end of the pipe also has a flange on it, which is designed for loving 
service or loving presence with others. And he says that when the connection is made at both ends of the pipe, so for instance, the flange is open and the connection is made, then the presence of God just moves through you in a very natural way to others. Um, so in, in this process of being that kind of a pipe, you are filled with the fullness of God. Your own experience of yourself is that your life is hidden with Christ in God. And you experience your true self in that moment, you know, as, as God created you, as you're being redeemed, as God is filling you. Now that is your true self. And then there's this openness for goodness to flow to others in and through that relationship. And so what I like about this symbol or this metaphor is that there's an easefulness to it. It's not always me bleeding on a cross, you know, right. or having to try really, really hard to do stuff for other people or to make a difference in the world. But there's something about it that's just more natural than that, because I am in God. I am knowing myself to be in God. Um, I am in union, so I'm open. I'm utterly open and surrendered to God for whatever God wants to do in and through my life. And so when the moment comes where there's something that that needs to be done in God's love and in God's name, then it just happens in this really natural way um, versus life being so effortless and bloody and right. all that sort of thing. <laughs> or doing the hard thing for God, you know? Yes, exactly, exactly. And then there's also a sense of fullness and fulfillment in that too. Um, so, you know, I think this is where our practices of being open and receptive in God's presence, this is where the practice of centering prayer and solitude and silence, where we are filled to all the fullness yeah. of, of God. And then when we're out in our life in the company of others, there is um, a fullness out of which we give, you know, where God is giving to others through us, but it's relatively effortless, you know, um, it just yeah, comes you, naturally. These days, typically my wife and my three boys and I will watch a couple of shows on Netflix or something like that. And I typically sit in a chair by myself and then the boys sit on the couch and sometimes night is hard because they're squirrely and they've had a long day and maybe it's winter and they haven't gotten outside. Yeah. And so I get a little less than <laughs> gracious. But on this night, I felt compelled to go just sit on the couch with them and put my arms around them. Yeah. And they're early teens, you know, so they're still at the point where they want dad to do that. Right. Um, and I did. And it was it was an awesome. Mm -hmm. It was good for me, good for them. They needed it. Wow. I didn't know that they needed it, but they did. And then, and I felt a sense of fullness and mm -hmm. communion with them as I was doing that, yeah. you know? And a couple of nights later, my oldest son, who's 13, almost 14 said, Hey dad, can you sit on the couch again mm -hmm. tonight? Aww. And I think this is what we're talking about sometimes it's not always the big thing it's and and i it wasn't some huge decision i had to make in fact i wanted to you right. know but it was it was out of what normally happened i i was invited to do something else mm -hmm. and so you know can we see that even as cruciform love yeah. maybe can we yeah i think so you're laying down your right maybe even your desire to sit alone in a chair and have your body to yourself you know yeah which is no <laughs> small thing no to small an thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when everybody's clamoring yeah. for your body it's no small thing. <laughs> yeah. um but you know it was an easy laying down it wasn't hard yes you no know, i i guess yeah. is the point um for me, yeah. I know that right now my work days are extremely full and I'm trying to finish a book and stuff. And so I feel like every minute 
you know, I'm just measuring out every minute and I hate living like that. It's not a good way to live yeah. at all. Um, but even the decision when you know that a friend is calling you because they need to talk and, and you, choose, you know, you can always let the call go into voicemail, but to pick it up and to, to choose to be present to that person in their life versus, you know, keeping all of my time to myself. And you and I, I think are both talking like introverts here, aren't we? This is our struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and then, you know, and then as you get into the call and as the call winds itself down, you're really glad you did it. And you're really glad that you were connected and you know that your presence on the other end of the phone meant something because you were able to hear the invitation to let the loving union with God flow through in goodness to somebody else. You know, um, it, sometimes it is that simple. S something that, you know, that's really true right now too, is just even the people that are you know, required by their jobs to be out and about bagging your groceries or, um, you know, doing all sorts of things that the rest of us aren't having to endanger ourselves with and to really make right. eye contact with the person and give them your whole warm hearted thank you. And just, you know, just acknowledge them with your eyes and with your appreciation. Um, that's, I think, loving union with God, you know, working itself out yes. in your everyday life. And it's not hard is my point. You know, when we're right. in God this way, it's, it's not always effortful. It's oftentimes quite natural because the pipe is open on both ends and there's really nice flow going on. Um, and it is your true self. That happening is your true self. It's who God knows you to be, right? Um, and it's who you are in God as opposed to who you are in your false self-stuckness. And it's a whole lot better to be on the earth that way, I'll tell you. It is. It's how we were meant to be, designed to be. It's how it's how we're going to flourish, right. right? How the world is going to flourish, Ugh. yeah. Well, Ruth, I wonder if there's a practice that you might lead us through or help us with so that we can live this way in a more intentional way. One of the practices that was coming to mind as we were talking, and, and Steve, as you were talking about um, that sense of God coming in and being with me in the dark place, God knocking on the door, and then, then God coming in and communing with us, even in the place that feels so dark to us. When we make the choice not to shut that down, when we make the choice not to hide in shame, when we make the choice not to rationalize, but we say, this this is what it is. It's pretty ugly right now, but this is what it is. I'm opening the door, inviting God to be with me in this place. There's a, there's a way of praying that um, is meant to do exactly that. And some of you have probably heard of it before, and that is the welcoming prayer. So the centering prayer is when you sit quietly and um, for 20, a 20 minute sit at a time, you just open yourself receptively to the presence of God and let God take God's initiative in your life. And it's a very uh, open receptive stance. The welcoming prayer is like the other side of the coin to centering prayer. And that is in the midst of your everyday life, when you become aware of something that's uncomfortable or someplace in you that's closed off to God or someplace where you sense the invitation to God to be in God for the world, but you're just, you just don't want to, you just do not want to share yourself or any, anything good with anyone at that point. And it's embarrassing and you might feel ashamed that you feel that way. Um, and, you know, there's a part of us that wants to hide. There's part of us that wants to rationalize. But what if instead we just noticed the discomfort and especially noticed where we might be experiencing it in our bodies um, 
or in our emotions, in our hearts, in our chest, wherever it is that we're feeling that place of discomfort and maybe even resistance to God and welcoming the Holy Spirit into that experience just as it is without trying to fight it, without trying to make it seem anything other than what it is. We just welcome the Holy Spirit in that place and consistent with the practice of centering prayer, we actually consent to the work and to the presence of God in that place for whatever God chooses to do. And this is a prayer that's done in the midst of the hustle and bustle of our everyday lives. This is not us sitting on a cushion somewhere for 20 minutes. This happens in the middle of our everyday lives. When something comes, it's really uncomfortable. We recognize that we're stuck in our false self patterns, that we really don't want to let God's loving presence flow through us. There's something that's resisting, something that's holding ourselves tight. And in that moment, uh, with a breath, we can say, welcome, Holy Spirit. And with that word welcome, we can consent to the activity and the presence of God in that place that felt kind of dark and isolating, but now it's not because God's there and we just allow God to be with us there and see how God might shift us and see how that opening might just allow the presence of God to flow through. So I was wondering if we could just do that little prayer here at the end. Um, and what it would involve is, again, um, if you have a candle to light, go ahead and light your candle. Um, get into that comfortable, open, receptive position. Um, hands open on your lap, feet flat on the floor, back straight. And this time as we're quiet, just allow to come to mind any place in your life right now that just feels uncomfortable. Um, and it might come to you as an experience in your body, whether it's tension in your shoulders, uh, whether it's tightness in your guts, whether it's clenching of the jaw, whether it's tears behind your eyes, but something that feels just not quite right, something that feels off, where you know you're just not your best, truest self, but something's not quite right. And rather than trying to suppress that experience or hide from it. Instead, you welcome the experience. Um, not because you're welcoming sin or anything like that into your life, but you're welcoming uh, it into your awareness so that you can pay attention to it. So it's not off to the side, but it's now front and center. And you welcome the experience. You, know, you focus on it. You sink down. You settle into the experience versus fighting with it at all. Um, you welcome it like you would welcome a hurting child or a confused child. And then as you become more aware of what it is that feels off, oh, wow, I, I just don't want to be loving to that person. Mm. Wow, I, I, I don't want to be hidden right now. I want to do a little self-promoting. Oh, wow. Um, and it feels a little uncomfortable to acknowledge that we want that. Um, Oh, that relationship. I'm just not behaving very well right now. I am extremely self-centered in that relationship right now. Oh, wow. And you just let it come and you welcome it. And then you welcome the Holy Spirit into that place. And that's the deal right there is that you say, come Holy Spirit, welcome, welcome. Spirit of Jesus, welcome. And then you just sit. See what Jesus wants to do or say in that place. 
welcoming prayer, we do some letting goes. We say, I let go of my attachment to safety and security. I let go of my attachment to affection and approval. I let go of my attachment to power and control. In fact, I let go of my attachment to changing anything. And I'm just here now, welcoming the Holy Spirit into this place. And that's how we begin to experience what Mulholland is talking about in this passage. Now Jesus is not on the outside of the door knocking. Now the door is open and Jesus is inside the door. And he is eating with us and communing with us and guiding us in new and loving ways. O oh, gracious and merciful God, whose cruciform love has plumbed the depths of my false self, awaken me from the bondage to my false self and enable me through the power of your indwelling spirit to be restored to wholeness in the image of Christ. As I look into the nature of this Christ in me self, stir my heart to hunger and thirst for more of your transforming work in my life through the Holy Spirit who lives and reigns with Christ and with you. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this podcast has strengthened the soul of your leadership in some way today. We're recording these during the Lenten season, and all our current podcast patrons have received the digital version of our updated resource, Lent, A Season of Returning. Right now, when you become a patron at any level, you'll immediately receive this popular resource written by Ruth Haley Barton. Support from our patrons is the engine that keeps this podcast going, so we invite you to visit transformingcenter.org patron today and become a patron. Your support at any level is so encouraging.